millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. On today's episode of Conversations on Dance, we are joined by documentary filmmaker Jennifer Lynn. Jennifer's latest film, Ten Times Better, explores the life and legacy of dancer George Lee, who originated the role of T in George Balanchine's The Nutcracker. She tells us the inspiring story of George's experience as an immigrant, performing as a child in nightclubs and shuffling across countries before ultimately landing in New York City, and his experience working with theater luminaries like Balanchine and Gene Kelly. If you're in the New York City area, check out the Works in Process event on Wednesday, February 7th at the New York Public Library for Performing Arts, featuring a discussion about the film with both Jennifer Lynn and George Lee. And be sure to catch the premiere of Ten Times Better on February 10th at the Dancing on Camera Festival in Lincoln Center. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And we are so excited to talk to you about your film, Ten Times Better, which uh, Rebecca and I both had the privilege of watching just yesterday. And uh, I can't tell you how moving and beautiful it was. And we're so excited to share with our listeners. Um, But since we haven't ever had you on, we always like to get a little bit of background about our guests for their first time. So we'd love to hear a bit about um, your own journey into documentary filmmaking and if and where and when that has uh, intersected with dance prior to the, this film. Yes. Well, Michael, thank you for having me on the show and Rebecca, you too. Um, so my background is actually in uh, journalism. I was a newspaper reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer for 31 years and worked all over the world for them. Um, and I got into uh, documentary filmmaking about 10 years ago. I decided to leave daily journalism to try my hand at other types of filmmaking. And my mm-hmm. first document documentary was actually about the Philadelphia Orchestra and their legacy in China. It's called Beethoven in Beijing. And uh, we were on great performances in 2021. Um, And the current project really grew out of my interest in ballet. 
Um, I grew up in Philadelphia. My mother was a ballet snob. Only the New York City mm-hmm. Ballet would be good enough. So mm-hmm. we used to go up to New York all the time to to see the New York City Ballet and to see the Nutcracker. Um, and my daughter, though, Corey Steeg, who's one of the producers of the film, she was a real bunhead growing up. Yeah. So I was one of those dance moms. I was the dance mom on stage right who was doing the quick changes and, you know, changing the scenery, handing props, cleaning up snow after the snow dance. So, uh, you know, I spent 10 years working on stage right at the Nutcracker in her performances. So um, this documentary really grew out of my interest in, in ballet. And uh, I I should credit my daughter for, for leading me there. Oh, I love that so much. Um, Can you tell us about some of your other documentaries? Have you done any other ones related to dance? Yeah. So after I finished Beethoven in Beijing, which was, uh, you know, it came out on TV in 2021, I was fishing around for for another project. And Corey, my daughter, actually gave me a copy of Phil Chan's book, Final Bell Mm -hmm. for Yellowface. And it was in the summer of 2020 that she gave me the book. And it really struck a chord with me. Um, My father's Chinese. And so um, I felt like Phil really articulated something that I had felt all along about ballet. Um, you know, for for people who aren't familiar with Phil's work, he and Georgina Pascogan, who's a former soloist for the New York City Ballet, they really launched the final bell for Yellow Face Movement a few years ago to take a look at the ballet canon and to see how we might, um, you know, address some of the racial tropes that are in ballet. So they they right. did amazing work. And so I was really deep into that documentary project when I stumbled literally upon the George Lee tale. Oh, interesting. So I mean I I was doing research on the Nutcracker at the New York Public Library's uh, Jerome Robbins division, the mm-hmm. dance division, which if you haven't been there it's just a marvelous place to spend a few hours. Mm-hmm. And so we know I, all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we I love was, it there. You know, I, I actually remember the date. It was November 29th of 2022. My daughter, Corey, and I were going to see the Nutcracker because Georgina Pascogan was doing Dewdrop. Yeah. And I had a few hours to kill. So I thought, you know what? I'll go to the library. Phil Chan's always talked about what great archives they have. So I was looking into the history of the Nutcracker. I was looking at like the San Francisco Ballet's files. And then they gave me the New York City Ballet's files on the uh, 1954 premiere. And so I'm looking at it and I came across photos, publicity photos, including ones of this young Chinese dancer in tea. And I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, um, his name was George Lee. And I thought, well, if he was good enough for Balanchine to premiere and originate the role of T in, in the Nutcracker in 1954, he, he must have joined the New York City Ballet. That's but exactly he, what I was thinking when I was walking yeah. into. I was like, wonderful. And then what did he do next? <laughs> so he never danced again for the New York City Ballet. And wow. I was left wondering, like, what happened to George Lee? So that was November of 2022. Um, I'm a newspaper reporter. I love challenges like this. I did quite a bit of investigative reporting when I was at the Philadelphia Inquirer. So I just like literally became obsessed with 
what happened to this dancer? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find really any trace of him. I found a couple little hints, like he seemed to do a lot with Andrei Glevsky, the, the great principal dancer. And I found a few newspaper clips about that, but I really, um, you know, I, I just needed to find out what happened to George Lee. So mm -hmm. it took me uh, six weeks, but I eventually found him. Um, I collaborated with another person, Arlene Yu. Arlene used to be the collection manager at the Jerome Robbins division, the dance collection. And so Phil Chan, Arlene, and I were kind of like on these parallel quests to find out what happened to George Lee. So I was like, you know, using all my newspaper skills, opening my reporter's toolbox and like trying to find George Lee, but it's such a common name. And mm -hmm. so I kind of hit, uh, you know, a roadblock. And then Phil said, well, you should try talking to Arlene Yu. So I, I emailed Arlene on December 22nd. And I said, Arlene, you know, I'm trying to find this guy, George Lee. She said, I'm, I've been trying to find him for years, too. What happened to him? So she wow. gave me all of her research, and she gave me a clue that unlocked the mystery. Arlene gave me a one-sentence brief from Variety newspaper from 1959 that simply said, George Lee became a naturalized citizen today. And when she gave me that clue, it's like, aha, so he was an immigrant. So then I went back to these databases that I was using, Ancestry.com, by the way. I'd like to put in an ad for them. It's a marvelous resource. <laughs> I mean, wow. it is absolutely incredible. So once I had that bit of information that Arlene gave me that he was naturalized, I then found on Ancestry.com his naturalization paper. Mm-hmm. And what that gave me was his date of birth. And another important clue, which is he changed his name from L-I to L-E-E. -E. So with that, you know, I, I did another deep dive into the database and I felt, found the ship manifest. So when you come over to the United States on a ship from anywhere, um, there are these manifests and they're all public domain and they're all on Ancestry.com. So wow. I actually found the ship manifest when George Lee and his mother, Stanislava Lee, came to the United States in 1951. So this, this is how a reporter's mind works. So then, <laughs> so I had the mother's name and I went back to one of my dat databases, in this case, newspapers.com, and I found her obituary which ran in the Asbury Park Press. She died in 1981. It said, uh, Stanislava Lee is survived by one son, George, who lives in Las Vegas. So then it's like, aha, uh -huh. so I have uh -huh. like- uh -huh. We're a town now, <laughs> a city. <laughs> this is a long answer to your question, but I, I had his- Oh, it's fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. I had his date of birth, where he lived, and the correct spelling of his last name. So with that, I came up with five phone numbers. I called the first four and I got the recording like this number is no longer in service. I called the, the last one and I got a voice message like, please leave a message. I left this rambling message like, George, this is Jennifer Lynn. I'm our filmmaker in Philadelphia. I've been looking for you for weeks and blah, 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 blah. And you were in George Balanchine's premiere of The Nutcracker. You did the tea divertissement and blah, 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 blah. And it just rambled on and on. 
Then I got a phone call back from George Lee. He said, this is George Lee. I said, oh my God, I've been looking for you for weeks. He said, why are you looking for me? He said, (laughs) I'm nobody. And by the way, that was December 29th that I found him and he called me back. And honestly, when he told me his story, it was one of the most compelling tales that I've ever heard. And I've been a reporter for a long time. You know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people. I've told a lot of stories. And I have to say that the story of George Lee is one of the most compelling stories I've ever had the honor to tell. So when he told me not only why he didn't get hired by the New York City Ballet, he was too short. Um, but when he told me about his life's journey, I I just I, I knew immediately that this was a story that had to be told because it's a story of of an immigrant. It's a story of perseverance and it's a story of the love of ballet. So mm-hmm. George is a real he's a pioneer. And I had to convince him of that. He's there like, why are you interested in me? And, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, George, you were a pioneer. Uh, and you were one of the first uh, Asian dancers in ballet. So that was December 29th that we spoke. And I was there with the crew um, on February the 14th. And here we are like 10 months later, and we're really ready to share with the world George's story. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Uh, it's it's such a special, cool story. I, um, you know, I what I, what I imagine now that I've seen the film, I you could not have expected what his life would be you know it's a it's great to track down this person this like you know there was a wait there was a an actual chinese dancer who maybe was in new york city ballet and oh wait they're not but then he still originated this role and where did he go like that's inherently interesting yes but then the twists and turns of george's life that you navigate in the film are just wild to me and i also love that you know, the way that he is saying, are you sure you want to tell a story about me? Now I feel like I know him after seeing the movie and I can just so picture him being that way. Mm -hmm. The way that he kind of um, like unspools his life story, he's so humble and um, calm and straightforward and sometimes it's like an almost devastating effect. I'll talk about when he, when the tragic moments of his life happens and he just says something really calm and simple and straightforward. And it it really packs a punch. 
he's such a charming individual and he's so humble and and the thing that really struck me about George is he's he comes across as such a content person. Mm-hmm. You know, he he doesn't seem bitter at all. And mm-hmm. and you know, he could have easily become bitter like why didn't I get hired? Why didn't things work out for me the way I wanted them to? I mean, his dream and his mother's dream, uh, his mother looms large in his life because she was a ballerina, but he wanted to be a classical dancer, a ballet dancer. Um, But, you know, for reasons that we explain in the film that that didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. But he, um, you know, I'm so glad you, you picked up on that, Michael, because, you know, the first time he told me his life's story, it was like, oh, my God, this is like amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a real interest in China, uh, you know, partly because yeah, I am part Chinese, but also I lived in China for four years. I was a foreign correspondent there. And Shanghai was the first city that I ever visited in 1979 with my father. And for the benefit of your listeners, I mean, what, George's tale is amazing because he was born in Hong Kong. His mother was a Polish ballerina. His father was a Chinese uh, acrobat. And in 1941, they moved to Shanghai because, uh, you know, it was during the war years and Japan had occupied Hong Kong. So the family left for, for Shanghai and the father was off in Western China working and was, uh, you know, killed actually in 1945. So George and his mother um, really relied on George's dancing as a child mm-hmm. to survive. So he danced in nightclubs in Shanghai in the 1940s, doing like little vaudeville type song and dance numbers. And sometimes they paid uh, him in in rice. Uh, and, devastating. You know, he told the story about you know his you know his mother would wait until he ate before she would eat i mean these were really difficult times in shanghai but the you know the thing i i learned so much from george because i was interested in his background growing up studying ballet in shanghai in the 1940s um i got a crash course in like ballet in china in in the hmm. 40s and what made Shanghai such a perfect place for him to land actually was because there were so many Russians who lived in Shanghai. Shanghai in the 1940s had like 25,000 Russians. Uh, a lot of them had fled Russia, uh, you know, after the revolution. Shanghai was one of these remarkable cities that had no visa requirements. So you had a lot of people who fled Russia and Eastern Europe in, in the 1940s. So wherever there are Russians, there's ballet. Right. right. And there were some excellent ballet uh, teachers for George. Um, his mother made him take class with adults. So he was dancing with Russian adults. Um, one of his teachers was a man by the name of Sokolsky, who was, uh, you know, a very big, uh, you know, well-known Russian dancer. He was with the Marinsky Ballet at one point, you know, in his youth. Uh, he danced for two women, George, um, uh, Audrey King and Doris Janover, who used to be with the Ballet Russe. So he had excellent training in Shanghai. Um, and then, you know, just to to summarize uh, his incredible epic journey, um, in 1949, uh, China was, uh, you know, there was a civil war and the communists won. And George and his mother were basically stateless. 
they had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And so they were relocated to a refugee camp in the Philippines with other Eastern Europeans. So for two years, George lived in a jungle refugee camp, not dancing at all. He said it was too hot. So <laughs> 1951, though, he um, got resettled in New York City. His father had a friend from, from his China days. Uh, this man was, uh, you know, in the U.S. military. But he knew something about ballet. His name was Davy Lerner. And so Davy told George um, and his mother that George needed to audition for the School of American Ballet. That's 1951. And he gets a full, you know, full scholarship and catches the eye of Balanchine. And three years after landing in this country as a high school 18-year-old refugee from Shanghai, George is in the premiere of The Nutcracker. To great acclaim, also, I, I might add, you know. Yeah, I th I mean, the story is just so amazing in so many ways. And I wanted, I wondered um, when we're talking about him being at the School of American Ballet when he premiered this, did you have any idea that, like, I had no idea that a, a student from the School of American Ballet originated Chinese. And hearing him talk about the process with Balanchine was so fascinating, too. Wasn't it? I, I mean, it's really uh, when, him. It sounds like like the choreography yeah. that every so many people do around the world. Like it's him. I I didn't know any of that backstory, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. um, but the clips that I found at the New York Public Library, um, you know, reviews of the Nutcracker, they mentioned George. Really? You know, you know, he got a lot of uh, acknowledgement in reviews for his Tidaversmont. Uh, and in fact, at the New York City, at the public library, I also found an oral history by Richard Thomas, the soloist who took over the role for George. And in this mm -hmm. oral history, Richard says, no one could do the choreography that Balanchine made for George. He was wonderful. And, and Richard said, and no one was better than me. And I couldn't do it. <laughs> I and the interviewer, I says, interviewer said, well, did you try? He said, I tried. I almost broke my neck. Um, but what I found so fascinating, Rebecca, is that the creative process, I mean, George said that George Balanchine, uh, you know, came into the studio, picked him to be, you know, in the, in the Chinese dance and asked George, what can you do, George? And George showed him, well, I can do this. I can do that. You know, and Balanchine said, I like that. We're going to use that. So he said it took him 15 minutes to choreograph. Uh, the tea diver. And so I, I found that so interesting that, you know, Balanchine wanted to know, you know, what he could do and listen to him and incorporate it then, uh, you know, what George was strong at into into the choreography. One of the most iconic parts of that divertissement is the um, split jumps at the end, but you have a yeah. picture of George doing it right be behind your head there and you show it um, within the documentary as well. I wonder, and this was something I was wondering while I was watching, his dad was an acrobat. Do we know if there's like, if he played with his dad and did some of that stuff? I know he died when George was young, but I wonder if yes. we have any information about that. Yes. George said when he was growing up in Hong Kong, so he was born 1935. So when he was just a little boy, his mother and his father were already training him. And his father used to make him do a handstand and then would walk away and George had to hold the handstand until he came mm -hmm. back. <laughs> oh, until he yeah. came back? Oh my goodness. Yeah. So wow. I, I, you know, uh, unfortunately there's no video of George performing 
you know, the tea dance. So I don't know um, the choreography that he did, but I have to imagine that his father, uh, you know, his uh, athleticism uh, stems from maybe his father and his father's training. So maybe in the genes. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> there, Even though there's no video of the T. Divertis mother, is fabulous video of George yes. in the documentary. And you see what makes sense why that T. Divertis mother looks the way it does, because George just had this incredible plie, the most beautiful jump, easy turns. Yes. Double tour. Um, I mean... And- Double yeah, the, the double, double tour. tour. Yeah, it lands in a plie that's like a grand plie. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, Michael, I was going to ask you to critique his dancing for me because you know I'm not a professional, but <laughs> to me it seems pretty awesome. Yeah, he's fabulous. And then the the video is is it on the Ed Sullivan show? Yeah. So we have two pieces of video in the film which. You know, if you're going to do a documentary about dance, if you don't have film showing the dance, it's kind of difficult. But I really lucked out. I I found two pieces of video. Uh, One, I'm going to give another shout out to the New York Public Library, Jerome Robbins Division. Yay. (laughs) They had um, archival footage of George appearing on a public TV show. WGBH 1959 had a show called a time to dance. And it's one of these half hour programs that's kind of kind of cute when you look at it today. It's like, this is ballet. This is the first position, the second position. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the person who kind of organized um, this show was Andre Iglevsky. Mm-hmm. And so in the program, Andre and Maria Tallchief uh, demonstrate a pas de deux. But for the studio portion, George had... Uh, uh, excuse me, Andre had George and Linda Yurth, who actually went on to dance for the New York City Ballet as a principal, demonstrate bar work and demonstrate um, the Bluebird Pas de Deux. So we we had that footage. And then I also found footage of George in um, the Flower Drum Song that appeared on the Ed Sullivan Show uh, in 1958, December. And for the benefit of your listeners, you know, when George's ballet career didn't turn the way he wanted it to, when he didn't join the New York City Ballet or American Ballet Theater, um, you know, he needed to make a living. And so he auditioned for the Flower Drum Song. And as he was, he did the Bluebird Pop, by the way, for his audition and kind of blew away all the other jazz dancers who were there. But as he was leaving, the director stopped him at the elevator and said, George, I know you love ballet. I know you want a career in ballet, but I really think you should give Broadway a chance. And the director was Gene Kelly. I was just going to say, it wasn't just any director. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it was Gene Kelly. So, um, uh, yeah, so George was then in the Flower Drum Song. So that's the footage we have of George dancing in the film. We have it from the Flower Drum Song. And from this program, A Time to Dance. So without that, you know, it would be really hard to build this story. I forget, Michael, yeah. what your question was. Did I answer it? <laughs> I don't I don't remember what it was either. Okay. We're just having a good time chatting about yeah, George. Exactly. You know? yes. uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the video is so, you know, it, it definitely helps give us an idea of what made George special. But I think what makes George special as an 
interview subject is so different. I don't know what it is about him that he's so immediately magnetic. He's just so warm. And then I I, I really and was struck by how how he navigated all these difficulties in life, whether it was something mm-hmm. racial or, you know, the tragedy of his father dying or adjusting to life, you know, being a, a refugee and all these things. He just kind of it's not like he shrugs them off, but it's just um, it all in stride, he just has it seems like so even keeled. Yeah. And I think that makes him really all the more compelling. He rolled with the punches, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he didn't get bitter. Like there's one quote in the film where, you know, I, I asked him about disappointment at not getting hired by the New York City Ballet. And he said, you know, Balanchine liked his ballerinas tall and leggy. And he said, what am I? I'm a little shrimp. They don't need that. Mm-hmm. So it's like he he rolled with the punches and he just, you know, then turned to Broadway. And when the flower drum song took off, I think that kept him employed for like three years at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he just decided to go that way and and to uh, forge a career as a, a music theater dancer and Broadway. And he had, you know, he had a lot of success and he had a lot of you know, disappointment that he had to face and and challenges. Um, the film is called Ten Times Better because when he and his mother were finally leaving this refugee camp in the Philippines after two years of just waiting, the mother told George, she said, listen, you're part Chinese. You're going to America. You You want to compete in the world of ballet and you have to be 10 times better than everyone else because you're Chinese. So that was his white mother telling him. And George said that his entire life, he just lived with that in his head, that he needed to be 10 times better to be just as good. And 10 times better he was. Can you tell the story, if you don't mind, about the double tours uh, when he was on tour on the Broadway show and um, his colleagues? Yes. So how hard is it to do a double tour? I'm not a dancer. Okay, just for, for reference, I mean, this is not typical, but for me personally, the step, I remember the day that I did my last double tour on stage and thought, yes, never again. So happy. It's the number one thing. Like, I miss so many things about being a performer, and that is absolutely not one of them. <laughs> so um, Gene Kelly didn't choreograph a flower drum song. I think it was Carol Haney. Um, but you know, when they realized George could do fabulous double tours, the, one of the pieces that he was in, it's just filled with double tours. And we feature that in, in the movie uh, because he performed that on the uh, Ed Sullivan show. And he would just do double tours repeatedly every single night and never fail to land properly. Uh, and so there was one night where he wobbled a little bit and his castmates backstage let out a yelp like he's human. He's he's not a robot. He does occasionally falter in his double tour. <laughs> but oh, you know, and the he, way he told that story too, he's like, well, that night I was a little tired. I was a little know. tired, and I just touched <laughs> the ground with my hand. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, his double tours uh, that you can see in that clip are just perfect, oh, and he nails the landing every time. Beautiful height. And and one thing, too, is at the end of the film, you guys are filming a reunion. Yes. This show. And so 
And all these people going up to him and being like, George, we never saw anyone jump like you or do double tours like you. And you can feel their warmness and how genuinely they feel that. And I, I wondered about that reunion. Was that something that just happened to be happening? So you were able to capture it. Tell us a little bit about that, too. It, it was just total coincidence. I mean, we started filming in February. We went out to Las Vegas twice. And then we heard that there was this reunion luncheon happening in Los, Los Angeles of uh, dancers from the Flower Drum Song. Helen Funai Erickson was one of the original dancers. Uh, she was 15 when she danced in Flower Drum Song. Wow. And she was the hostess, um, Helen and, and another friend, Mei Wong. And there were about a dozen dancers. And so we decided to film George attending this reunion. The reunion had been delayed because of COVID, so they were finally able to get together. And it was such a delight to see how others reacted to him. So when he walked into this, uh, you know, this, this room where they were having the luncheon, everyone came up to him. And as you pointed out, Rebecca, people were really, they remember his, his skill. And also, this didn't make the film, but what they also remember was his his generosity mm -hmm. uh, and that he wanted everyone around him to be better. Yeah. And so he would take them with him. And he like one dancer said, I remember you used to do your own class before we would go on. And he said, those were so helpful to me. So mm -hmm. he shared and he wanted others to look better, too. So he worked with them, you know, and he's mm -hmm. he's just a, a very quiet, humble person. But, um, you know, the others really remember George as a remarkable dancer. Yeah, I think it's just it, it, it hit home for me in the way of dancers have two lives, right? So now he retires from dancing. And now he goes to learn to be a black duck black jack dealer in las vegas and then and the way the movie starts out i don't think this is a spoiler because it's also in the trailer is someone's just sitting at his table saying like how long have you been doing this he says i think 20 years and and they say well what did you do that before that and he goes i was a dancer just so casually and it's like so insane for us to watch as like he was such an important part of history for ballet, you know, it, specifically with Nutcracker. But then, of course, this whole career is just so interesting. And so I, what a that what a touching moment that was. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you picked up on that, because one of the things that um, I think about is he's actually been a blackjack dealer for 40 years. Oh, uh, so 40 okay. years. So, it's insane. So yeah. I think about that literally the tens of thousands of people who would have sat across from him at the blackjack table at the Four Queens Casino in Las Vegas and just thought to themselves, ah, you know, another old guy with an accent, another immigrant, what's mm -hmm. to, nothing to see here. But if they mm -hmm. stop and talk to George, you realize this is a person with a significant life story. Um, and, and, you know, we, we started filming this in February uh, coinciding with with our project was the excitement over the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. And it seemed like, you know, Asian American performers were were having a day. You know, they were they were finally, you know, taking their place center stage in Hollywood with the all the awards and acclaim that that movie was getting. And, you know, James Hong, the actor, um, he was in Everything Everywhere where all at once, I think he's like 94. He was a pioneer in Hollywood. And I was 
you know, when I was pitching this project, I said, George is to ballet what someone like James Hong is to Hollywood. He was a pioneer. He was like out there in the 1950s trying to make his way as a dancer. So I, I really thought it was important to spotlight George and his life story because, you know, you have to know your past if you're going to understand your present and your future. So mm -hmm. I, I just, you know, there aren't very many um, Asian dancers from the 1940s, 1950s in ballet. Um, Sono Asato is, is the one who usually comes to mind. Um, and she was like in the 1940s, she was Japanese American, but I think George, you know, may be the first, uh, you know, featured Asian male dancer uh, for the New York City Ballet. I, I can't confirm that. Um, you know, we try to. Um, my intern went through every single program at the New York Public Library for the wow. New York City Ballet going back to 1948. We couldn't find anyone. But, um, you know, George, George was a pioneer. And so it's it's important for him to get his moment, I think. Yeah. Being that George is such a humble person, did you have to convince him to to entertain the idea of being the subject of a documentary or did he come around fairly quickly? He came around. I mean, he was shocked that I was interested. And then I think he was still a little skeptical when I showed up there with a crew in February. <laughs> he, he brought a friend with him the first time we sat down for an interview and he later confided that the reason he brought his friend was he still wasn't sure that I wasn't trying to scam him. Like that, that this was an elaborate scam of some sort. So he mm -hmm. brought his friend with him. Mm -hmm. um, but the first meeting we had, um, he showed up with his portfolio. So he had this, this satchel that was filled with photographs, programs, clippings, some going back to Shanghai when he was a mm, child wow. and like an article that appeared in the North China daily, uh, another ad featuring George that was all in Russian. Uh, and you know, it, it occurred to me like his mother saved all this and all of these photographs and all this ephemera has traveled with George from Shanghai to the Philippines, to New York, to Las Vegas. I mean, it's followed him all over and, and, he had a trove of old photographs of him as a child in Shanghai, um, photos of him, uh, you know, when he first got to New York City in the studio. Uh, he had a few Nutcracker images and some flower drum pictures. So he had he had chronicled in his life and saved all these uh, important things. Uh, so so when he finally realized that I wasn't a scam artist. <laughs> <laughs> that I truly did want to tell his story. He really uh, just opened up and shared with me. And we went back another time in April and then we filmed him in, in May at the reunion, but we really wanted to turn this around quickly. So um, it, it's a short documentary. It's only a half hour, but I think it was important for, for us to showcase this. And um, George will be at the world premiere uh Film at Lincoln Center's Dance on Camera Festival, he'll be there and he'll get to see his story on the big screen. So we're very excited about that. And uh, uh, Works and Process uh, is also doing an event at the New York Public Library about the making of the film. 
and how I use the archives to visually tell George's story. And George is also going to be there along with uh, the other producers, Corey Stieg and John Funabiki. So it's very exciting, everything that's happening. Mm, I, I feel already like um, emotional just thinking about it because it's something like this is decades of George not really understanding his own influence and impact. And um, to have people actually say that to you just goes to show you how, you know, it, it's, you know, you're, you, it ain't over till it's over and yeah. you know he's he's gonna have this beautiful moment that you're giving him that he's so deserving of that you know a little bit more than a year ago he would never have fathomed and now he's gonna get to have his flowers it's That's so beautiful. beautiful yeah and you know he spent a it was a lifetime of him not realizing the contribution he was making in mm-hmm. terms of dance and so uh you know it's 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 going to be thrilling. Um, with, with the film, we we shared it with some people to get their reaction. And like Edward Valella, uh, you know, says that this is a phenomenal story. And the broadcaster Connie Chung said, George's story is my story. You know, this oh, idea of wow. having to be 10 times better if you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a person of color. Um, and David Henry Huang, who actually remade, flower drum song in 2002 um he said this is an important story mm-hmm. to showcase because you know uh we're interested in ballet and talking about the nutcracker but it's uh equally important as george's um role with the flower drum song so absolutely yeah flower drum was really the first time um someone of the stature of rogers and hammerstein focused their attention on the asian american experience it's really, you know, an, a tale about Asian immigrants. Um, and so for for Asian American performers back in the 50s, this was like full employment, first of all. Um, and it, it was just a seminal moment in theater. And, and George was a part of that also. Yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't all easy for him in music theater. He said a lot of times he would be go to these cattle calls and be, you know, in the final few. And then he would be told, sorry, George, you're not the type. And and he mm-hmm. says in the film, well, what's the type that you're looking for? Obviously, he was, you know, a talented dancer. But, you know, it's a kind of a reflection of the times, I believe, in the, in the 60s. There weren't a lot of opportunities for Asian dancers. Right. I mean, just dev- devastating that part for me. I mean, when he talks about after a show in Houston, I think it was Houston, and he said, I couldn't go eat because it said whites only outside the restaurant. And I, I mean, it's not that long ago. It yeah. was so yeah. sad. I was mm-hmm. crying. I mean, it's just the whole, it's such a moving story. And, and thank you for sharing it with us. I mean, we had Michael and I were texting each other like, we're crying. <laughs> um, but I hope that all of our listeners We'll get to see it. Can you tell us about the events that are happening in New York, if they are open to some of our listeners, and then maybe where we hope that we might be able to enjoy the film in the future? Yes. So um, Works in Process is having an event at the New York Public Library on February the 7th. And that'll be uh, you know a panel discussion, including George, uh, about the making of the film and the creating of the film and how we used archival resources from the library. And then on February the 10th, 
we'll have our world premiere at Dance on Camera. And so in the year ahead, we, we've entered a lot of film festivals, so we hope to introduce people to George's story uh, through festivals. And ultimately, we, you know, we'd like to be on public TV or you know, have some sort of streaming availability. So all this is, is uh, information to come. <laughs> Good. Well, please let us right. know if it does end up on streaming. We will share it with our listeners when that happens because right. we really, really want people to see it because it's just so beautiful. And so people in the New York area, we hope that um, we'll put some links in the description of the episode so that people can find that information as well for these events. Thank you. I I hope people can see George's story and appreciate it. Uh, And uh, I can't wait for him to see it on the big screen. Yeah, it's going to be so touching. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for helping George share his story. It's so important. Well, thank you for having me on the program. It's been an honor. Thank you. Conversations on Dance is part of the ACAST Creator Network. For more information, visit conversationsondancepodpod.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.